For the last several weeks, we've been looking at the Nazarite vow, and there were several things a part of this vow that they could not do. The scripture outlined four specific areas. On today, we're going to take a detailed look at those four areas and see how we can apply it in our New Testament walk with God. Stay tuned. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Thank you for joining us on today. My name is Darius Good. I am the pastor of Bible Gospel Center. When you get a chance, visit our church's website at bgc.family. There you'll learn information regarding the church, as well as our service times, which you are able to join us online, virtually. Also visit my website when you get a chance, DariusGood.com. That's D-A-R-I-U-S-G-O-O-D.com. There we have information regarding this podcast show, as well as the other podcast shows that we have available. And you can also learn information regarding the books. I have eight titles that are currently available from children's books to a comic book on David, as well as spiritual books. We have The Fear of the Lord. We have a book on wisdom entitled Unlocking Godly Wisdom. And in that book, we look at the seven pillars of wisdom as they are explained by King Solomon. And we also have my book on divorce, which is entitled The The Divorced Christian, a book written for Christians who have experienced the shame and the hurt of divorce. And it's also a Bible study on the subject of divorce, explaining it as it's written in the scriptures, not as it's taught in the church, but as it's written in the scriptures, as I did a deep dive and a detailed look at the subject of divorce. And I'm telling you, every pastor I've met is like, I've never heard this before, but it makes perfect sense because it lines up with the scriptures. And so I encourage you to pick those books up today. Visit the website, DariusGood.com. For the last several weeks, we've been looking at the subject of the Nazarite vow. And on last week, we covered whether or not a Christian should take this vow or not. And so I will start there and then we're going to transition into the four things um, that I think we can extract from this vow that can be applied to a New Testament walk with God. So let's begin here. Should Christians take the Nazarite vow, as I explained on last week, the answer would be no. Because the vow is connected to the law of Moses. And for some reason, many skip that important detail. But the vow is explained in the law of Moses. It was not established before the law of Moses. The purpose of the vow was to set yourself apart. It was for service unto God, to be consecrated, set apart unto God. And so the vow really was a vow taken by those not a part of the Levitical tribe those that would be used by God in some manner um, as they go through a process of consecration. And so the vow required them to not engage in four certain uh, four things. 
these certain areas they were not permitted to do while they were taking the vow. And so it's important we understand that the vow was similar to the vow of the priest, the priesthood, those are part of the Levitical tribe. Um, but where the difference was, so for example, with the hair, one of the requirements was that those that took the vow were not permitted to cut their hair. Whereas with the priest, they were not permitted to uh, wear their hair unkempt. Their hair had to be kept. Whereas with the Nazarite vow, they could not cut their hair, nor could they comb their hair. They could not use anything that would cause their hair to come out. Now, if they scratched their hair and, or their hair just simply fell out, that was fine. There was nothing, no violation, no defilement of the vow if that was the case. But they were not permitted to keep their hair um, combed. And so there, you see the difference between the priest's uh, requirements of living and that of those that took the Nazarite vow. And so, once again, the purpose was to be set apart for God to be used by God. But the law is under the curse. There's a curse attached to the law. And so if we're going to do portions of the law, then we are mandated and required to do the law or keep the law in its entirety. So with that being said, Christians, we are under grace. We're not under the law. And so there's no reason for us to make this particular vow. I did not explain this on last week, so I'll do it in today's lesson. But if you want to set yourself apart, and this is the requirement following salvation. I've been teaching it this way. Salvation, the new birth, is the translation. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light or the kingdom of his dear son. It's translation, but it's not transformation. Transformation is a requirement in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that we present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. We have sacrifices in the Old Testament, peace offering, sin offering, guilt offering, that all these different types of offerings that were required to be brought to God. Well, guess what? The system remains the same. Old Testament New Testament, um, the structure of the system remains intact, but we are not bringing animals to God anymore. David figured it out when he said, God does not desire uh, the sacrifice of animals. It's not the blood of animals that he desires, that, uh, that he's looking for, but it was a, a broken and a contrite heart. That he will never deny. He would always receive the heart of a broken individual as they come to God. And so the New Testament requirement is that we sacrifice ourselves. We give ourselves to God. We lay ourselves on that altar. And so in Romans chapter 12, verse one, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. What is a sacrifice? It means that I have no thoughts. I have no plans for tomorrow. I'm laying here uh, at the uh, mercy of whose hands I am in. What am I to do? I'm to place myself in the hands of God. Submit yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. I present myself to God as a living sacrifice. I'm still alive. I'm not dead. 
And this is interesting because even in the Old Testament, they could not bring a dead offering to God. That animal had to be alive. The turtle dove, the rams, the goats, the sheep, whatever you brought to the, the priest, that animal was required to be alive. We are to be that living sacrifice now that we present to the Lord. So with that being said, there's no reason for us to take the Nazarite vow, because if you follow Romans chapter one, chapter 12, verses one and two, then we're presenting not just our bodies, but also our minds. Lord, renew our minds. We present our thinking to you. Cleanse our thinking. Clean, cleanse our thoughts. May we think like you. Think it not robbery that we have the mind of Christ. It's been given to us. This is part of the, the New Testament, the new covenant experience. We receive the Holy Spirit. He leads us into truth. So as I receive truth, I receive light. I now see and think differently. There's an experience we go through after being with God, after experiencing God, after uh, encounters with Jesus, encounters with the Holy Spirit that brings enlightenment and understanding. And so in doing so, our minds are renewed. We're renewed. Uh, our minds are renewed by the word of God. What does that mean? It does not mean you read the Bible and now you think different. People read things and they walk away with misunderstanding. They, they think they understood what they wrote or, or read. And many times they don't. And so it's not the experience of reading that produces transformation. Um, I say this all the time. People read books on how to be a millionaire. If it was that simple, all of us would simply read a book and then become millionaires. But it doesn't work that way. You can read the book all you want. But until you've had an encounter with the ones that wrote the book, that brought those finite details, that point out, oh, I thought it meant this way, and then they begin to explain, the author says to you, that's not exactly uh, what I meant when I wrote that. Or let me explain it this way to bring more understanding. Well, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the one that wrote the book. He wrote the Bible. There is no private interpretation of the scriptures. And so to have access to the Holy Spirit that can bring illumination and bring light and empowerment is through this experience, these encounters that produces a change in the hearts of men, a change in our thinking. And so our minds end up being renewed. I don't see things the same way. Things that I thought was okay, I now see that it's a problem. And we mature and we grow in God as a result of embracing his word and coming into light and understanding. So no, there's no reason to take the Nazarite vow to set yourself apart unto God. Pray the prayers of consecration. Pray the prayers of submission. As Jesus prayed, and of course we understand, um, we see it because we, we talk about him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, but this is at the tail end of the ministry. So throughout the ministry, there was a prayer of not my will, but your will be done. I must need go to Samaria. Jesus was led by the spirit of God. He went wherever the Lord led him. He did whatever the Lord showed him. And he reveals this to the disciples there in the scriptures. This is how he lived his life, a life submitted to God. And so here at the tail end of the ministry, as he's now on the process of now laying his life literally uh, to be given for the world. He prays once again, not my will, 
but thy will be done. And I think this time we have it in writing so we understand the mindset of Jesus. And we as disciples and followers of Christ must think the same way, not my will, but thy will be done. This is the prayer of submission. The process of consecration is the process process of being set apart. And when you go through that experience, there are things that you're not permitted to do. Things you cannot be engaged in, things you cannot be connected to. And so the requirement is that you are set apart for a time and for a season. In the Old Testament, you find prophets that will go into the caves and they will be in the cave for a time and for a season. Jesus was in the wilderness for a set time and for a season. All this is a requirement in preparation of us being uh, placed in our purpose. Let me give you some other examples. We have David in the wilderness watching over the sheep. We have the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt. They do not go into the promised land. They do not step right into purpose, but they go into the wilderness as is part of the process of preparation and preparing ourselves to be used to be a vessel in the hand of God. With that being said, I do believe there are four things we can learn from the Nazarite vow in regards to being set apart in the process of consecration. And so when you look at the Nazarite vow, there were several things they were not permitted to do. And we find this in Numbers chapter six, where the vow is explained as well as many of the rules that was attached to this particular vow. I believe if we look at the four areas, things that they could not do. If you remember that the vow was a consecration or a separation. And I covered this, I think, in our first episode in part one, as we looked at the vow. It says here in, and maybe we'll start at verse two, Numbers chapter six, verse two, either a man or a woman could, uh, when either a man or a woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar or wine or vinegar of strong drink. Neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or dried Verse four, all the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made from the vine tree, from the kernels, even to the husks. Verse five, all the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days of his until the days be fulfilled in which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let his locks or let the locks of his hair of his head grow. At verse six, all the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall not come at no dead body. Verse seven, he shall not make himself unclean for his father, mother, brother, sister, when they die because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. And I'll stop there. But in that process, we just heard the four areas that they were not permitted to defile themselves. So as I mentioned, and I'm just going to paraphrase, you are to set yourself apart unto God and from something, to something, from something. 
So you set yourself apart unto God. That's the two. And the from was four things, things that you could not eat, which was the dried uh, grapes. So we're talking about uh, raisins. You could not drink anything that came from the vine. So this deals with alcohol, strong liquor. It also dealt with uh, vinegar products. And then you could not cut the hair. And the fourth thing was you had no contact with the dead. And so I'm going to highlight these four areas. And we're going to kind of boil them down to their essence. There was four things. Things you could not eat. Things you could not drink. Things you could not cut off. And things you could not be around. And I think if we look at it from this angle, now we have a New Testament application of this vow. I'm not saying we're taking the vow of the Nazarite because that would require you to follow these rules as well as do the required offerings. And just so you know, within the Jewish community, anyone that takes the vow today, they understand that it is a permanent vow. It's a vow for life. And so they understand there's no temple. So you can't bring the vow to an end because you cannot bring the required sacrifices to the priest. So they understand anyone taking this vow today would automatically be a Nazarite for life. We don't have to make such a vow. I've given my life to the Lord. I shall walk with him to the end of my days. And so the vow I've made to God is sufficient. But I do believe these four categories will outline for us and help us understand our walk with God as he brings us into higher places, places of elevation, come up higher in our thinking, in our walk with God. And so let's begin here. There's a separation from things that you eat. It's funny that Jesus teaches that eating he uses these analogies. I am the living bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so he's equating the word of God to bread, things that we digest and eat. When we eat, we chew. So we're grinding things. What, what does that mean? Breaking it down to come into understanding. So this is important. The things that we eat, the things that we are processing, that we are digesting has a direct effect on our spirit man. We got to be careful of the things that we are consuming, things that we are studying, things that we're breaking down to have better understanding of. It will have a direct effect on us. In the same way, he says, separate yourself from things that you drink. And so once again, uh, Jesus said, I am the living waters. And so as I mentioned, the the mikvah, the immersion in water, in living water, the water had to be a running water, was a part of the ending of the Nazarite vow. Well, Jesus is highlighting that he is that living water. He said to the woman at the, the well, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. And so we have, once again, another analogy of us uh, drinking, and we understand that water, man cannot live without water. We could go a period of time without food, but water is very different. We need water in order to live. And so Jesus is that water. The Holy Spirit often is 
is uh, symbolized throughout the scriptures as water. So we talk about the seas, um, rivers, oceans. We talk about uh, rain that, that falls from the, the sky. So we have the, the, the latter rain, the former rains. All these analogies throughout the scripture is uh, as it points to the Holy Spirit. And so we understand that, that he is the living waters. So there's also things that we have to be separated from. What is sustaining us? What are the things that we depend on that the Lord is now calling us to be separated from? Our third area would be the hair where he says, you cannot cut your hair. Too often we hear within the church community as part of our teachings, the importance of cutting things off. What I find interesting is with this vow, there were things that could not be cut off. I remember an experience my dad had that impacted me, impacted me uh, very strong. There was a, a gentleman at our church and he was uh, very antagonistic against my dad. My dad prayed for him to be removed out of the church. Lord, remove this man. He's a thorn. And the Lord spoke to my dad and his response was, even I have Judas. When my dad said this to me, I said, what does that mean? He said, I cannot have him cut off. And so I thought it was interesting that even though we, there's things that are not good for us, Judas was not good for Jesus. It led to his death. But Judas was a much needed piece in the ministry, even to the point that when he dies, the disciples, they had a requirement to fill his position, not move forward as the 11 minus one. No, Judas was too valuable to us to leave his space vacant. So they found one that had been among them from day one and they filled his spot. And so once again, it was the 12 apostles. There's going to be things in our walk with God that we cannot cut off. We'll desire for it to be cut off. We'll say, Lord, remove it from me. But God's going to say, no, it's a necessity. It's important that is there, even though many times we can't see the importance in our immaturity, in our young way of thinking, our young way of processing. I can't see how this is valuable to me, but God knows. And so there's going to be areas of our life that we are not permitted to cut off. I want you to think of the Nazarite vow as you've given yourself to God. God determines what should be cut off and what things you cannot cut off important that is there for your maturity and for your victory the last area was they could not be around the dead it, it caused a defilement of those that had taken this vow if a parent dropped dead or a sibling sibling or anyone they were not permitted to attend their burial understand that with the jews their burial process was a seven-day process it was a several day process of mourning. And so now they're not permitted to engage in any of that activity while taking this vow. Let's, let's go to the spiritual. What things in your life are dead? And God is saying, have no contact with those things. There's things that we engage in on a daily basis, on a weekly, monthly, yearly basis and it's really dead. 
It doesn't produce in our life. These are our relationships that adds that does not add to our life. These are relationships that many times subtract and take away from our life. And so God is saying, have no contact with anything that is not living. What does that mean? If it's not prospering, things that are alive prospers. That means there's growth. Growth could be measured. Growth is not imaginary. If a company is growing, are we growing in sales? Are we growing in profit? It's, it's, you can measure profit. You can measure life. You can tell when something is living or when something is dying. And so when we look at this vow, these four areas to me, as they jumped out to me as I'm going through this Old Testament uh, teaching, I saw how it applies so much to our New Testament walk with God. We're consuming things that aren't good for us. Watch what we consume, whether that's television, uh, social media, podcast shows, radio, whatever that is. Watch what you're consuming. Some things we might need to set ourselves apart from for a series or period of time, especially if we're trying to grow in the things of God. There might be a requirement. God says, cut that off for a season. And so understand it's something I'm eating or thirsting after. These things I have to keep under control for this time and season. When it comes to cutting things off, things that I desire to be cut off, God might say that cannot be removed from you. And of course, lastly, is things that are dead. And so hopefully this lesson will be a help to you as you go through your life, your spiritual walk with God. And maybe God will illuminate some of these teachings in your actual experience with him. Thank you for joining us on today. If you're listening by radio, join us again on next week. And if you're listening by podcast show, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, be blessed. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed.